with the first one. Discuss the title of the novel and its significance. Okay, I like the title of this novel so much because a lot of the book is spent basically like inside Melinda's head. We don't hear her voice like for most of the novel. I mean, you, you can't hear it because it's a book, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> so I think it's really symbolic because like she she has to come to terms with, you know, her past and then eventually is able to like speak out about it, literally, you know? Yeah. I agree. When um, the whole novel is spent by somebody basically doesn't talk, to, and then at the end she does, it's pretty uh, It's pretty representative of what you want to tell the character the whole time you're reading the novel. I think it's, it's significant of the character herself, based on what you guys are saying. I think it's just she goes through this whole bit where she doesn't want to speak. She is adamantly refusing to do so. Um, and even starts to fight for her right to not speak. Um, and I think it's just very driven towards her personality during that time, you know, during what she's going through. Anything yeah. else? Do you want to move on to the next one? It's, it's an amazing title. It's just great. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm so biased because I love this book so much. So it's like any question you ask, I'm going to be like, you know, it's genius. It's great. It's just great. Let's just end it there. It is well written. It is a well written book. All right. Moving on to the next one. What is friendship? Describe the important elements of Melinda's relationships with Heather, Ivy, Nicole, and Rachel. Oh, my goodness. Friendship in high school is like the worst living or death truly <laughs> like if you don't have friends like that that's it you're nothing you know and it's, it's it's there's so much pressure that comes along with that so I think I mean in the beginning she's just kind of like thrown around with Heather like they're just like okay I guess we'll associate together and I think that that is I mean that's kind of representative of what's happening to Melinda herself because she's like oh well I'm in high school now you know I guess I'll just follow the flow of everything but you know, eventually she starts to, like, miss, um, Rochelle and Ivy, and, and um, you know, she, as, as she develops, she's like, oh, okay, maybe I need, like, like a, I don't know, I don't want to say, like, a thicker, like, bond with her old friends. I think friendship is just a positive support system, and she is severely lacking that in most of the book. Um, she has Heather, but her relationship with Heather is strange. She's not even paying attention to Heather, but she just doesn't want to be alone either. And she is, you know, having this difficulty, this struggle between wanting to be around people, but too afraid to be because of what had happened. And with lacking that support group, you can see her kind of spiral a little bit. And I think um, when it comes to her relationships, 
part of that spiral is that she's not willing to to tell her friends what happened the bond she had before and that's putting an even bigger strain on on her relationships with them um and i think that's kind of like just self-sabotage um so i think i think that's the problem that she has the most i mean i, I think we should also sorry i'm gonna say this real quick before i forget but like i think you have to also mention that like her relationship with heather wasn't just like you know melinda being like depressed basically she couldn't like hold a conversation but it's also like heather is completely using her just as like a buffer until she finds better friends i.e like mm-hmm. the um yeah. Martha's, right? yeah, and she's she's a poor, poor example. She's a, yeah. you know, poor social support because she just doesn't genuinely care about Melinda. No, she she even at one point she's like, I think you have depression and you need to go help someone. But like, I want you to get help very far away from me because yeah. you're really like harsh in my mellow right now. <laughs> she sucks. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I mean, but the horrible reality of it is is that a lot of people that do struggle with these problems, Mm -hmm. their friends do leave them when they figure out or they perceive that there's an issue. They they do. They don't, you know, stick around. And if if they do, then you have a true friend. But, you know, I think Heather is... I don't know. She made me mad. <laughs> I don't know where I was going to go with that. But the, yeah. the worst part about, like, friendships in high school is that, like, you really don't know if they're real until after high school when you all, like, disperse and you leave and it's like, oh, are we going to stay in touch, you know? But in high school, you know, like I said, it feels like it's like you're if you don't have friends, that, that's it. So you just try to keep that bond together the whole time anyway, even if it's not, like, a healthy relationship, you know? It's just the, yeah. the concept of it is so important to everybody. I think also part of that age group is just a lot of I have my own stress with all these things that I'm going through because it is a like a turbulent so to speak part of a person's life you know they're you know adults and young people's bodies and I think it's just so difficult that people are so focused on themselves and what they're going through and they can't just take on someone else's and you know, that causes a lot of, you know, pain for the person that is on the other end of that. You know, they're not trying to put out that vibe or to make the relationship difficult. They're just trying to get by and they could use that, that little help from a friend, you know. <sighs> All right. Anything else you guys want to say before we move on? Melinda deserves better friends. That's all. Yeah, I yeah. Mean- I gotta say the Ivy she kind of poked her head in here and there and I think was a lot better for Melinda in the sense that it was like a support from far away kind of relationship yeah she did get closer though she started sitting next to her and trying more and interacting with her and Melinda was kind of doing that pull away because she just you know she was trying to control what was going on what was happening to her and she really couldn't and she was like well if someone says something to me that i can't control what am i going to do in this situation i might as well just leave you know yeah it's that that driven fear so i think ivy was kind of good to kind of pull her out a little bit and be like i'm still here it was a little bit slow to come but i also felt that way about um david was that his name Patrakis, yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know how to pronounce his last name. But, <laughs> um, 
she was like slowly leaning on him mm-hmm. like without even really realizing it and um he was like trying to get her to come out of her shell mm-hmm. a lot throughout the book but she just like you said the control she didn't want to lose that control mm-hmm. well i mean you could even take like that scene for example on i think it's valentine's day when she gets like that card in, in her locker and she she's, hopes like, it's him <laughs> Is it David? Like she does, she doesn't even want to look at it because she's like, I can't handle whatever it's gonna say in there. And it turns out that it's like the necklace from Heather. Like what a stab, truly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Next one is, what keeps Melinda silent? What is she afraid of? I think she's afraid of you know repeating his like events that had already happened to her, and that's why she's so silent. Rachel. I think it's that, and I think that she already had this reputation because of not speaking, and that it was hard for her to come back from that. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, it was like a snowball had, effect. Yeah, they had this preconceived mo- notion of her, and they were like, calling her a slut and everything. They didn't really know what happened, and then um, for her to actually speak about it, it would have just been like, I don't know. It would yeah. have been terrible. Yeah. I think she thinks it would have been terrible. Yeah, right. actually, I found a quote about that, if you want me to read it. It says, um, it's easier not to say anything. Shut your trap, button your lip, can it? All that crap you hear on TV about communication and expressing feelings is a lie. Nobody really wants to hear what you have to say. That's pretty good. Yeah, I think that sums it up. Yeah, it just, I, I mean, you can tell even at the beginning of the book, she, like, just doesn't feel... I mean, even how you mentioned before, like, she doesn't have a good support system. She doesn't have anything. Her parents are, like, basically absent unless she's messing something up. And Then they have a lot to say. Oh, yeah, definitely too much, Mm -hmm. one might say. But, yeah, I just, she, I think she's running from her past. She's running from the truth. She's running from her life. She's running from adulthood and teenagerhood. Like, she, that's, uh, it's just awful to be there and be like, you don't want to be anywhere. You know, at a certain point, you're like, I would just rather be in my cave in her little Maya Angelou room and, like, yeah. avoiding everything. I think also I she's, like, she's afraid of what people might feel or how they'll respond to her because she already knows that even though she's being silent, like, she knows how people are going to respond to that and they're not quite, you know, appropriately respondent to her silence. But... um she doesn't know how they'll respond to the assault issues. And I think she's just so afraid of that and afraid of what people might view her as until it starts to get into, until they start saying those negative things about her when she starts going in that direction of why she called the cops that night. When, when little bits and pieces start coming out more and more and then people are sharing their negative viewpoint with her, you see like, her grades are dropping, you know, as soon as the it or Andy comes into um, the picture, she posts like her grades, I think three separate times, and they're just steadily declining. And you don't even realize that that's, that could be a, a cause for a lot of kids that are not doing well in school. It doesn't just have to be that they aren't trying, but you never know what they might be going through socially and emotionally. Um, do we have a discussion question about the Maya Angelou poster? Yeah, because I... Actually, no, we don't. Do you want to go over one? I just want to say that, like, it's so, like, so 
so important that she like randomly got a Maya Angelou poster because <laughs> like Maya Angelou didn't talk for the first eight years of her life because of an assault of similar fashion. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like, it's it's so significant that it's like it could have been any like prominent writer, but like Laurie Hall Sanderson made it Maya Angelou because they have that like in common. She really did her research and took her time in making the decisions for Melinda and I think that's that's pretty awesome it is she wrote her character very well yeah all right so why do you think Melinda refers to Andy Evans as it in the beginning and at one point does she start to call him by his name and why um I I I would say oh do you want to talk about it Rachel go ahead oh sorry I think that um at first, she was, like, running from it and couldn't acknowledge what had happened with all of her trauma. And then as she was slowly progressing, she was able to acknowledge it. it, it even if it wasn't to the rest of the world, she was acknowledging it to herself that it did happen. And that's why it went from it to Andy. And I also think that she was starting to see, like, her, her friend started dating him. So it was very, like, in her face. Like, he was always there. You know what I mean? And... So she had to be confronted with it more so than she would have been if he hadn't been dating Rochelle, Rachel, whatever she was. It seems like the first few months of her being in school, she didn't even see him. Um, And then, like, the one day she goes, it was there. And then it just, after that, just downward. Um, But she said his name, like, when he wasn't going to be ignored. He wasn't going to go away. And she had to come to terms, not only with what happened to her, but that he was going to be there. Like there's, there is a sense of not being able to escape anymore because he's in her face. He's sitting down on her desk. He's whispering in her ear. Like she no longer can ignore it. She can't ignore his existence because he is very obviously wanting her to remember it. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. It's like at a certain point, it's like her trying to take control of the narrative. You know, mm-hmm. it's not that something's happening to her anymore. Like she's not just being a passive observer. Like eventually she's like, I'm going to be in control. I'm mm-hmm. going to call it what it is. Like he's a threat, you know? Mm-hmm. And then she started calling him Andy Beast. <laughs> I don't blame her. <laughs> no, either. The kid was a douche. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but like he was um, he was a bad person. <laughs> yeah, like, like I don't know if it's just the writing or whatever, but it's like every character in this book is just like so horrible, and and it is like it, it's just you know, I mean like we've all like been in places like that where everything mm-hmm. kind of seems like dark and dreary and you can't escape it, and at a certain like to a certain extent, everybody in your life is like being horrible to you, whether they mean it or not. So. I just really, I really liked the writing of that, where it's like you can kind of see the bad side of everybody instead of any kind of good, and and I think that it's just so like it's an, an a great representation of how like depression and, and being down really feels, especially in high school when everything already sucks so much. Here's the next one: What does Melinda learn in art class? What does the tree she spends the year creating finally come to symbolize? Oh, I love this storyline so happy like the tree is totally melinda melinda is growing and the tree is growing she's going through so much like through all the hard parts in her life she can't seem to like put the tree on paper she can't 
you know, she can't speak about it. And then eventually, like, she's able to draw this, like, beautiful, like, gorgeous tree. And, and I, I, eventually she's like, I don't even care what Mr. Freeman says or what my classmates say. Like, I'm proud of this. I've done the work, you know? And I, I think she's, like, the way that he presents the class, the teacher, um, is almost like anyone can be capable they're just given a topic they're not told what they have to do with that topic they just have to create and i think that was like a window into emotional support through creative means and i really enjoyed that he was encouraging even when she wasn't doing as well like there was a a little chunk there where she was stagnant and she wasn't moving forward Oh, and was that was, with, the, with the blocks when she was chiseling? Yes. Like, and he was talking to her about it. And even then, he wasn't, like, unsupportive, if that makes sense. He went over, like, that it did need work, but he was still trying to root her on. And I think that the tree, it did symbolize change. And it also, not to be punny, but <laughs> turning a new leaf. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but... <laughs> I think it was like time for change and you really start to see that the catalyst for that when she's sitting with Ivy at the mall and Ivy's just like just draw stop with the block just let it out and I think she really needed that and like once she did that her her trees were amazing they had leaves they were changing like they were you know it had life and that's what she wanted to do she wanted to bring it to life that's that was the requirement of the class you know just to bring it to life i'm pretty sure that like development also followed the seasons also like i mean the book takes place in like like upper new york which like you know was <laughs> like 90 percent of the year so i mean in the fall she's like kind of like coming to terms with like oh crap i should draw a tree a million times mm-hmm. in the winter like she's going through the whole struggle and in the spring eventually like the end of the school year she's like oh this is it like it's, it's very <laughs> Rebirth. That's what spring is. Yes. yes. All right. Next one is, how does David Petrakis contribute to Melinda's quest to find her voice? He's such a great character. I, he, he reminded me of how I was in high school, obnoxious. But um, always speaking up for what I felt was wrong. But uh, I loved him in, like, Mr. Next class. Like, he was just amazing. I don't know. He's my hero. <laughs> I think he was everyone's hero for a little while there. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I, I think his whole thing was that, like, he helped her with, you know, her, like, protest that she did at one point. But he was kind of, like, the tough love where it's like, yeah, you did a lot of work, but, like, this isn't what you're trying to say, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that he helped a lot with her eventual, like, turning the new leaf and whatever. And I think he was very insightful. He had a lot of guidance for her. Like, he helped her and worked on that project even though he didn't agree with it and he thought it was kind of a moot point and you know he still helped her get through it and do it you know and he still supported her and that's something that she desperately needed um i think he played a really important role um he even asked for her phone number or said he'd call her one sometime and she was like no well maybe (laughs) yeah i was gonna say do you guys think that they're gonna like end up together eventually well, didn't she say that they were like, um, when Rachel asked her about him, she said he's just a friend. So I don't know. I don't 
think she was really looking for that. I think that it was, I think she was looking for a friend. And even though it, there was like that romance kind of crush that she had on him, I think that she really treasured his support for. I think it's yeah, just also like it, it. it was excitement. Like, yeah, that, that's what I was gonna say. Like, high school is so like high energy, high emotions all the time. So, <laughs> a certain part of her was like, well, it sure would be nice to have someone like that. But then mm-hmm. it's like logically, like, okay, I that, that's not practical right now, you know. I think she was like very, very numbed, very yeah. numbed, and then like just that the idea of that was was exciting. It was something you know different. It was. It was the idea of romance, and she had said, like, when she talks about her assault, that she thought that it was going to be something that was romantic, and it it wasn't. She thought it was going to be sweet, and that, you know, things would be simple, but obviously they weren't. And I think, like, that representation, just like when she assumed that the little Valentine's card might be from David, it was just something sweet and small and romantic. And that's kind of the expectation you should kind of have as a, a young teenager kind of growing into her own and starting to look at romantic feelings in a way instead of the way that they were presented to her without her choice, if that makes sense. Yeah, oh, I think I, I, think I found a quote. I think it's from David, but it just says, you have to know what you stand for, not just what you stand against. Mm-hmm. So he, he kind of helped. I, I think that's David. I mean, it doesn't say it, but it just says Laurie Hall Sanderson. But, you know, that, that sounds like the kind of message that he was trying yeah, to lead her. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. Um, let's see for the next one. Reflect on Melinda and Rachel's Rochelle as she relabeled herself. Um, written conversation they have in the library. Discuss Rachel's reaction to what Melinda tells her. Why do you think she be- behaves as she does? And does she believe Melinda? Conversation. I mean, it's all, like, written down, isn't it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it I starts think, written, though. No, I think that the part where she yells at her is... Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I just mean, like, when they're just chatting and the librarian is shushing them, because that's what librarians do. We all know. It's like shushing. I think a lot of people, when they're in love or when they love somebody, not romantically, just platonically... Um, and they're faced with something horrible that they have done. I think that a lot of people act that way, you know, until they are faced with it, you know, like they can't deny it, which happens to Rochelle, Rachel, whatever her name is, <laughs> at the prom. So I, I think that's why she reacted that way to what the one to try to tell her and um, the letter that the one wrote to her. She just well, in denial. <laughs> yeah, they're all like, I mean, they all blame her for pretty much everything that goes wrong during the whole year so when melinda ends up blaming basically like rachel's boyfriend she's like no you're just trying to you know push the blame to someone else even though melinda's just trying to like finally tell someone i think also is that their relationship was so strained that the trust was lacking there and so when she came to tell her she just had the automatic assumption you're just trying to mess me up because I'm being successful and you're not in high school. And I think another part of that is she probably doesn't want to deal with the idea that the yeah. person she's dating could be so dangerous that would be capable of hurting someone. This person that she's developing feelings for 
could have hurt her best friend or former best friend, you know, and then what could they do to me? And a lot, that happens a lot. You see that in like real relationships where people are afraid, you know, of coming to terms with what their partner may or may not be doing or have done. And I, I think that's why she reacts so poorly to Melinda. And I think there is a positive point of her being told and then Rachel at some level did trust Melinda still and confronted Andy on it. Um, but at the same time, if maybe it was mentioned earlier before it happened, it might've been more believable to Rachel, if that makes sense. Okay, so let's see. The next one is discuss the ending of the book and the relevance of the last scene. The last scene in the art room or, like, the last scene, the big, like... How about we just do, like, the main event, I would say. The crescendo. Yes. I was not expecting it. (laughs) So part of me really likes the scene because she stands up for herself the other part of me feels like it's very um i don't know dramatized i I can't explain it but uh, i don't know you guys go (laughs) this i i have the graphic novel and this part of this graphic novel is so intense it's so i mean it's intense in the book which makes sense but it's like everything is like gray and dark and it's like very you know there's not a whole lot of like there's not a lot of variety with the colors or anything and, and it's you know it's there's one whole page where she's just yelling no i think i love that i think they're tr- like i think she was trying to depict andy as the monster that melinda had seen before yeah for sure i think i i personally really liked it um when reading it i was just like oh my god <laughs> this is happening right now. All right. <laughs> uh, which, I mean, is very true to the subject matter. Um, I was not expecting it, and usually that's the case. I mean, you know, she was just going about her day, ready to leave her closet and go into a locker, and then boom, you know, her life is going to be changed again. But this time she was able to work up her own courage to fight back a little bit more. I mean, not to say that it's not courageous to even deal with that situation naturally. Like, when your fight or flight or freeze comes into play, if you freeze, that doesn't make you less strong. Um, But I think for her, being able to fight back was important. She was able to speak. Wow. And... I think, like, the part with the glass, I was just like, I don't know why. I completely forgot about the mirror being there. And so my brain was just like, where is this glass coming from? Oh, that's right, behind the, the Maya Angelou poster. Um, yeah, that's, that's the glass. They have a picture of it in the... <laughs> um, yeah, but, um, no, I'm, I'm just going to say real quick, the... the um, artist in this book her name is emily carroll and she does like an amazing job of just making andy like literally like he has like no face 
he has scary eyes a lot of the time he's depicted as like just a shadow and like that you know that's exactly how melinda like he's just he's just a threat and i, I just i like that representation that's how i imagined him like throughout the whole book pretty much was i didn't i don't think he really had like a he wasn't clear he was very blurry throughout mm-hmm. the whole book yeah i i would say that too I mean, she described little things, but not enough for you to really generate. And I think that's important, too, because that means, you know, it could be anyone for any any person, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but I liked, it, it was really interesting to see, like, Nicole and the group of her team, was it? Was oh, it yeah, she, she's lacrosse? the lacrosse, right? Like, the lacrosse. Yeah, that showed up and opened the door. And like, but how? The door was locked, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. She unlocked it in this, in the process yeah, with the. That's how he got in. Yeah. Well. Yeah. She unlocked it with the uh, glass to his neck, and I just thought that was like, I don't know. I, I weirdly cliche, if that makes sense. I think that's why. That's why I don't like it. It's not dramatic. It's it's a little bit cliche, but it's not that I don't like it. It's just feelings about it like i don't know i wasn't expecting the situation the whole thing to happen yeah yeah. um but like when that happened i was like oh well that's kind of a a little unsatisfying i wish she could have just you know i don't know gotten out on her own and then you know alerted someone and you know Yeah, they were like they all came running, and yeah. she opened the door and told them in in your book, but um, I just felt like that was a little like I just wish she could have you know done that because the whole point was that you know people won't believe her because she's telling them it happened, and I wish that you know as this was going on, she when she found the her own view of strength to fight back that she would have told someone too because I think that would have been a little bit more satisfying for me than just to have that easy um ending with the lacrosse team does that make sense yeah I can see it for them to be like already there oh yeah we know you know what I mean like I, I think she was already starting to get that validation when all the girls were writing in the bathroom about how he's dangerous and everything else yeah, I don't know. I think it's just like you have to kind of like compare or like juxtapose like the when she's telling the original story, and mm-hmm. it, it is it's just like like you said, it's like freezing, like it's anticlimactic, really. Like it just it happens and then it's over. But I think at the end of the book, it's like they do this whole big dramatic, like there's like basically a fight scene, and then you know it's it's not Melinda just rolling over and taking it. You know, she's mm-hmm. like, okay, I, I'm taking charge again. It's with the narrative, like she's like. the end when she's in art class as a separate thought I, w- I don't think it's art class I think it's after school she's like, oh that's right 
but she's, it's our room, so yeah. whatever that's my technicality. I've read this book way more times than I ever <laughs> want to admit. So, so uh, heads up, Elijah's a fan. If we haven't gathered, I have like all of Laurie Hall Sanderson's books like in front of me. So yeah, uh, it's a bit of an obsession. Um, but that last bit I thought was really clever. Um, I know we talked about this before, but like the uh, that scene from the not really scene, but that written part where she's in the car with um, the art teacher and he's like, I'd like to hear what you have to say. And then at the end when she initiates and she says, well, let me tell you. And I thought that was like very powerful. And I like that continuity. I like that they, that Lori brought that back. I thought that was very important and it felt like closure. Yeah. And I think that's very important of a message to show in this book that despite, you know, she says, despite what happened to me, you know, there's this sense of closure, of, of moving on, of turning a new leaf, of <laughs> yeah, growing. The quote from that scene is, you know, it happened, there's no avoiding it, no forgetting, no running away or flying or burying or hiding. And, you know, it's, it's her not accepting it, but coming to terms with it. Mm -hmm. Being able to, to move forward. The last page is, let me tell you about it, that's it, of the graphic novel. It's so, oh my gosh, I love it. Wow, what a <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm going to cry. And like, we didn't even read it. <laughs> okay, so what was your favorite character? I mean, everyone's is pretty much Melinda, but <laughs> was there anyone else that kind of jumped out at you that you really enjoyed? David. Uh, well, yeah, David. I was going to say... Um, I like the role that her parents play because it is sort of like the foil of her to be like, you know, bringing her back down to earth and like there are other problems, I guess. And I, I like, I just love the scene on Thanksgiving when like her mom was going insane and his dad is like, we're gonna make the turkey and like, <laughs> and, like they have like, like soup. <laughs> like I, I love that. Like it's, it's just, you know sometimes it's just like those like homey things those like uh -huh. real just like personal like i sometimes those can just like help you bring you back down and, yeah and, uh, i think um her i just a side note but like her parents like i know it was easy to vilify them especially from melinda's point of view but when they didn't even know what happened at all all they see is that their kid is being defiant and they don't know yeah. why and they're exacerbated. Like, they're just so frustrated with what's going on and they can't really see past that because they don't know. They don't even know to ask. And I think that kind of is a good point to note for parents. Like, talk to your child, communicate. It yeah. might be more than you think it is it might be yeah. more than just you know there there might be a cause to what's going on maybe, you know? maybe just don't like just straight up yell all the time <laughs> sometimes that doesn't work <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes all right well any last parting words thoughts feelings um, read speak like please please read it please <laughs> when I was 14 and like I have not yet stopped reading it <laughs> whenever I get a break in between my books I'm like oh maybe I should like just read speaking up real quick it was like two days you know like oh it's so good 
I feel like it's easy for people to not want teens, especially to read this kind of material. Um, but I think it's very important that they do. I think yeah. it speaks to a lot of emotional experiences and I think would send a really positive message. Um, Just because you don't talk about it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Yes. The best way is to be proactive and be like, okay, this is life, but we're going to, you know, we're going to get through it. And to talk about it, to, to, you know, go to someone you trust or, you know, let that emotional stagnance disperse. Yeah, when I was in high school, I read this book and I hated it. I thought it was now, <laughs> 10 years out of high school, it's like I can see myself in high school, you know, my experience in high school. And I think it's really important to go along with what Brittany was saying about um, reading things that are controversial like this. I think it's important because it gives you a perspective, a different perspective on what people are going through. And it doesn't have to be this particular situation, but um, there's lots of controversial books that are important to read, I think. They can help you. We can help you deal with your crap. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I had to read this book for, like, English class. And, I mean, just our, like, different experiences. Like I said, like, I love this book, you know? So it it can't hurt. Just just, Mm -hmm. just read it. Just read it. (laughs) Tell us what you think of it, please. (laughs) Just go listen to the audiobook because Brittany said she fell asleep, like, five times. So... I did. I don't know there was just something about her voice and it was it just was like the same volume and tone throughout which I can kind of get with yeah, reading it I was going to say that's how I would have read it like in, in my head that's how I read it she's just but with someone reading it to me I was just I could not I wanted to so badly and I just I couldn't and I think it's it's way better as a format reading it like I think with the short sentences she was like descriptive too and but it was the good kind it wasn't you know there was there was pausing and I could un, like I could process the content that was provided and I thought that was really good I thought she did a really good job um so I'm, I'm a big fan of the book I think it was good yeah read speak yes read speak let us know if you have any uh recommendations or suggestions for future podcasts and uh, this was another episode of off the shelf